Well, today is Mother's Day, and we want to wish all of our moms a happy Mother's Day. Our first-time moms, I saw um, God bless you guys, and we pray that you enjoy those beautiful flowers. And whenever there's a special day in the life of the church, if at all possible, I love to try to weave the message of the sermon into that special day. And so when it came to Mother's Day today, I thought, oh, what a great day to, to kind of bring a message that weaves Mother's Day almost kind of into the message. And so today, my sermon is called The Bride of Christ. And, um, and, and we're continuing in our sermon series called Our Church, which really is diving in and drilling into understanding the depth of our ecclesiology, which means the theology of our church. What is the church? What does it mean to be the church? And, and what does it mean to live that, live that into our own personal lives? And so we're going to look deeply into why we call the church the bride of Christ. So just for you guys, I've been a pastor for about 25 years now, 20 um, in Hawaii and two years here, but I served in ministry in different ways. And in the 25 years of being a pastor, I've done about a... Almost, I think maybe about 130 weddings as we talk about the bride of Christ. And, and just recently, I, I did uh, a wedding, um, one for, um, for Alex, Jesme, and, and Natalie, um, Natalie, Alex and Jesme, Alex and Natalie, Jesme, and that's Natalie Gilbert. And I see the Gilberts are back from their Brazil trip, and, and that's their beautiful daughter. And I got the privilege to, to be the pastor that, uh, that performed the marriage ceremony. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a beautiful bride there? And then about a year ago, I got the opportunity to uh, do another wedding. And here's another picture of uh, Eric and Jen McPherson. They're coming up on their one-year anniversary. And uh, that's a, another beautiful picture. Eric's blocking me out of the picture. I'm behind Eric right there. <laughs> and uh, look, at, look at the smile on Jen's face. Oh, you know, what a beautiful picture, right? And whenever I do a wedding like this, it kind of reminds me of when I got married. And to this year, Rochelle and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage together. It's been amazing. Yeah. So I dug through the files and I found a picture of when Rochelle and I first got married. So here's a picture of us. Oh. My mistake. That's what marriage looks like after 30 years. <laughs> My bad. My bad. This is what was 30 years ago. I think I got it. Ah, oh, there it is. Wow, Rochelle, you were just a child. Look at her. My beautiful bride. Oh, my goodness. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> the bride of Christ, right? This is what, what we're going to talk about today. And, and what the Apostle Paul does here is he, he gives us a lot of different images. In fact, the Word of God gives us different images of, of the church in so many ways, right? Um, last, the last two Sundays before today, we, talk, we looked at the church as being the body of Christ. 
And today, we're going to look deeper into what it means to be the bride of Christ. And, and, and the church is described in different ways like this as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, because the church is fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you guys to know that. There's no one way that we can just, just, just mark the church and say, this is what the church is. Because the church is, is this beautiful, uh, a, a beautiful creation of God that holds some mystery even into it. And so you can't just, you can't just say, this is what it is. It takes so many different ways for us to fully understand and recognize what the church really is. And so for, for us to understand the fullness of it, we know that partly it looks like an, uh, the body of Christ and how the body functions. But today, we're going to even look at the depth of what it means to be the bride of Christ because the church is not static and it's not simplistic. God created the church to be beautiful, like a bride is beautiful. And, um, and, and there's this beautiful mystery of this relationship that Jesus has with his church. So the passage that we're going to look at is from Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. If you have your phones, whip it out. Scroll down to Ephesians. Hit that. Hit chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verse 25 to 33. And whenever we get to Ephesians chapter 5, if you've read Ephesians before, you understand that in Ephesians chapter 5, when we look at it, it is an example of the relationship between a husband and a wife. When we, whenever we look at Ephesians chapter 5 and you start reading it, the first thought that goes to your mind is this is instructions on how husbands and wives ought to have a relationship. But when you read it, the example of the relationship between a husband and a wife comes from the example of the relationship that Jesus has with his church, his bride and so when we look at Ephesians chapter 5, look with me at the heart and the source of the example. Alright? Even though it's a teaching on, on husbands and wives, look with me at the source of how husbands and wives ought to live because the example that we get is the focus of the relationship with Jesus and His love for the church. So hear the word of God today in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless. And in this very same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own bodies, but they fed and cared for their bodies, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, 
But I am talking about Christ and the church. The word of God. So, at every wedding, and you've seen pictures of three, right? And you've been to many weddings, I hope. At every wedding, the bride is the most beautiful person in the room, right? The bride is the center of attention. The bride takes center stage and all eyes are on her. And after having done over 130 weddings and and being a part of a wedding myself 30 years ago, I understand, even though I'm not there, that there's a lot of preparation to get ready and get the bride ready to be the most beautiful person on that day. Nails have to be done, right? Hair has to be done. And makeup, I think, has to be done. And then... You have to choose the right dress that you plan for months in advance. And you have to save a lot because those dresses apparently are very, very, very expensive. And the bride adorns herself with the most beautiful gown. And she has done everything she can to be presented as the most beautiful person there. And every effort is taken to present her so beautifully. The Apostle Paul uses a lot of the same imagery as he talks about the beauty of the Bride of Christ. The words that the Apostle Paul uses is radiant, without stain or wrinkle or blemish. It's perfect. And he adds two more words that I think fit so well as Jesus has this amazing, mysterious relationship with his bride. And those two words are holy and blameless. This is how we see the bride of Christ being talked about and taught about in the word of God today. And so, when you think back to the weddings that you've been a part of, I'll talk to the husbands in the room Remember how beautiful your bride was on the day that you got married and how taken you were when you first saw her come down the aisle. I remember seeing Rochelle and I was like, wow, she's so beautiful. And as she walked down the aisle, and that's the picture that we have of Christ and his church. Because hear the word again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved The church. This passage here, because it starts with husbands, we forget that this passage also tells us about how Jesus loved his bride, the church. And this is such a profound passage to take to heart as we look at Jesus' love for the church. Jesus' love for his bride is the example of how husbands should love their wives. And Jesus, what he does, the Bible says, is he gives himself up for her, making the church, his bride, holy and radiant without stain, wrinkle, or blemish. Can I ask you this question? It's a tough question. Do we love the church the same way 
Jesus loves his church, his bride. Do we, do we look at the church and, and just go, oh, like walking, seeing the bride walk down the aisle for the first time. That pitter-patter of your heart, that deep affection that you have, husbands, for your bride, that Christ has for his church. Do we have that same depth of love for the bride of Christ? The Bible says that Jesus gave himself up for her. Jesus didn't give up on her. As we see this happening in this day and age. And if the answer is no, no, we don't, we don't love the bride of Christ as Christ loved the bride of Christ. Then the question that I have is why not? I mean, if Jesus is going to love something... Don't you think that that's something that we ought to love as well? As Jesus is our example, shouldn't we also live into the example that he gave us? And as I think about this, right? Maybe this sermon series that we're in now, on ecclesiology and the theology, the depth of the theology of who we are as a church and who the church is, maybe we need this message, this series, to grow our ecclesiology so that we can grow into people who see the church the same way Jesus sees the church. Because there's a gap there, and we need to deepen our love for what Jesus created in this space, each other. We need that to grow and deepen. Jesus, he set the church apart. He sees his bride as being holy and sacred. And you know, a long time ago, I think people used to see the church this way, as being holy and sacred. I remember growing up in Hawaii, and even in the Hawaiian culture, the, there's a richness to the sacredness of what is holy. In, in, excuse me, in Hawaii, they had this word that we use called kapu, right? It's sacred. Don't enter here. And that's the kind of sacredness that, that there used to be in the church. Today, I'm not sure that the world sees the church in this way. And, and if the world doesn't see the church as being sacred anymore, maybe it's kind of scorned now, I think. When you, when you, when you look at the world, they, they look into the church and, and they don't see the church as being sacred. They don't see the sanctuary where we gather as being a sacred place because it's been the target of so many things that that tell us that the church no longer is seen as sacred, but seen as being scorned. And if that's the case, well, I get it. Jesus was persecuted, right? And we're a reflection of Jesus. And if we are persecuted, maybe it's because Jesus was persecuted. And, 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 and as we live into what it means to be Christ-like, the church will be persecuted as well. And that's understandable. The hard part is, that when God's own people do not see the church as being sacred, 
when God's own people do not see the church as being holy and to be deeply loved as the bride of Christ? How can we expect the world to see the church that way when oftentimes in its own body the bride of Christ does not see the church that way? Because I, and believe me, as a pastor, I understand the church is not perfect. Can I get an amen? Yeah, right? I'll be the first to tell you that. The church is not perfect. Because it's made up of you and me. And we're imperfect. The theology of this church is that the church is not a building. This is our sanctuary. The church is people. And we make up the church. And we are imperfect people. And it's so easy to just focus in on the negative because that's what so many people do, right? When they see something like the church, the first thing that is pointed out is the flaws. Why is that? Eh, maybe that's human nature. But I will stand here and tell you as the pastor of not just this church, but the pastor, but, but as a, the heart of a pastor, that while the church truly does have flaws and difficult people and some things like that, the church is made up of amazing people as well. Thank you, Rochelle. I I thought more of you would say amen there. (laughs) The church is made up of amazing people. You see the people who give up themselves and their time to lead us in worship? Wow, and the gifts that they have. And that's just what you see on the front end. What you don't see is all the people behind that make things like today happen so beautifully. The breakfast that you had, you know, the fellowship that you enjoy, the Sunday school classes, the deep relationships that you have. It requires people doing the work of God to make this place all that it is. And if you enjoy it, praise the Lord. It's so easy to overlook the good because we only want to point out the bad. We live in a world where we judge everything, right? You whip out your Yelp app and you go to a restaurant and you give it four stars or two. (laughs) You watch a movie and it has what? Rotten tomatoes, right? And you you judge that. So you judge what you eat, you judge what you, what you watch, you, you judge just about everything. Someone makes a post, you can put a thumbs up to it. And then when you come to church, what do we do? We, 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 we do the exact same thing that we do with everything else in this world. And we judge how we like church. And can I tell you that it was never meant to be like that. Because this place is different This is God's church. This is the bride of Christ. You don't go to a wedding and fold your arms and say, and criticize the bride. No, that's unacceptable. And can I say, not just because I'm the pastor here, but anywhere, criticizing what Jesus loves so much, you have to be careful. You know why? Because this is a sacred place. We are sacred people. And Jesus loves his bride. So I'm going to make a really, really bold statement today. Some of you may not agree with me, and that's okay. 
We can talk about it later. But here is what I sincerely believe. There is no greater honor on earth than to be a part of God's church. Because the church is the beautiful, radiant, holy, and sacred bride of Christ that he dearly and deeply loves. And you and I get to be a part of it. When you go to a wedding, every bride is highly honored, valued, and loved. How much more the bride of Christ. So take a moment right now just to think about this amazing mystery that when you become a part of the church, you enter into this space and you call this place your own. Right? This is, this is your home. This is your church. You join with others and you get to be a part of a community of people that when we gather together, Jesus looks down on you, on us, and he says, that's my bride. That's the one I love. That's the one I choose to be with forever. Come what may, the good and the bad, I will choose and always choose my bride. Because that's the commitment of marriage. And this is what Christ does. He looks down on his bride that he loves like any groom would look at his bride and deeply, deeply love. Jesus defends his bride. And you know what else Jesus is? He's jealous for his bride. He wants the complete attention and affection of his bride. Wow. And so, today, what I really want to do is I want to just talk about a few things of how do we respond to Jesus being the head of the church, being the groom of the bride, right? Because in, in this relationship that Jesus has with the church, it's a sacred relationship. Just like any relationship that a husband has with his wife. It is made of a covenant that they make with God. And, and in that day that we got married, I still remember the sense of awe and wonder of this new relationship that I was going to enter in to the, for the rest of my life. And when I began that relationship, I was so madly in love. And now, 30 years later, my love is even greater and deeper. And it can grow, for sure. And my prayer is that as we engage deeply in this sacred relationship that we have with God, with Jesus, as the bride of Christ, that that, that sacredness of that relationship would develop in us, that not only would we just fall in love with Jesus now, but that relationship would profoundly grow. And this mystery of this relationship that Jesus has with his wife, is, 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 it's a mystery for sure, right? Because as, as the church, we've, we've, not always been, we've not always been good. We've hurt others. And, and that's the part of what it means to be the church. We don't want it to be that way. 
but it's a reality. And yet through it all, Jesus still chooses his bride, fights for her. He, he chooses her and he defends her. And the Apostle Paul catches this glimpse of this amazing honor and awe as he writes in verse 32. This is a profound mystery as I am talking about Christ and his church. You see, we're undeserving for sure. We're undeserving. And yet, with relentless passion, Jesus pursues his church with relentless love. In fact, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were yet sinners is when Christ died for us. Oh, that's amazing. Think about that. Let that sink in of this deep, passionate love, despite all of my flaws. And there are many. The relentless love of Christ is still on me, on you, his bride. And so what is our response to this great honor that we have of being the bride of Christ? Well, like any bride, right? The response of any bride to a groom, to a husband that would rest relentlessly pursue and love is to accept that, that love and then return that love. To accept that great love and return that love. Oh, it is. California is so dry. <laughs> My mouth is so dry. And I'm not even nervous. Accept that love, that relentless love, and return that love. And so, the, the, what are the ways that we return love back to Jesus? Is what we did earlier. And Jeremy, thank you so much for your part in preparing for today's worship service. And your, your depth of thinking through the songs and how the breath, the song breathe, and, and then that next song connects. And I value that. Because you know why? How we worship is a way that we express our love back to the Lord. And so I have been to church all my life. I mean, since I was in junior high, long time. And I've sat where you sat. And I've sat there and at times before I became a pastor. Come into what I think I'm worshiping. And all I'm doing is just singing. Because my mind is somewhere else. I'm thinking about what's going to happen after church today. As some of you may be doing. Because it's Mother's Day and pastor's preaching long. And we're going to miss our reservation. <laughs> but... When I have gotten the chance to really deeply engage, and when I sing that song, this is the air I breathe. And I direct all my attention on the one who gives me breath. And I sing my love to God. That's when you enter into worship. Otherwise, it's just a song. And you can love deeply and return this great love to God by engaging deeply when we worship Him. In fact, John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is spirit and His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. When we worship in spirit and truth, God seeks us out. As we worship, 
mean every single word that you sing. And ask also, love the church as Christ loves his church. That's the message today. If you walk out of here and say, what did Pastor Gordon preach about today? I don't even know. Know this. It's our call to love the bride of Christ as Christ loves his bride. And we are that bride, which is a profound mystery. Second, be faithful to God because he is faithful to us. Like any relationship, faithfulness creates the strongest foundation of all. Once any kind of trust is broken through an intimate relationship, it's so hard to repair that. And honestly, we've all been unfaithful in our relationship to God. It's the truth. But through it all, God has been faithful 100% of the time. And yet, He still pursues us passionately and relentlessly. Mm. And so, look at Jesus' example and let's continue to live into that and follow that example. Because Jesus is faithful, He calls us into a faithful relationship with Him. And God desires that we be faithful. And you know when we are not faithful? You know what the Bible says is the reaction that God has when His people are not faithful to Him? That God becomes jealous. Right? Do you remember in Exodus chapter 20 when God gave the Ten Commandments? And he confesses that he's a jealous God. And I used to think, oh, how petty of God to be jealous. Until I got married. And I began to understand the depth of relationship and the intimacy that is shared between two people. And that if ever my lovely wife would turn her affections to anyone besides me, how would I feel? And the only reason that I would, it would impact me so deeply is because of how much I love her. I would be madly jealous, as any one of you would, if the person that you love the most turned their affection anywhere else. And so, when we look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, God says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on earth beneath, or in the waters below. And you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Because I love so deeply that if you just turn your glance away, oh, It impacts me. That's the great depth of love that God has for His bride. And then the the third, and then make your relationship with God the first priority. This is this. This seems. This seems. Uh, that, like it doesn't make sense that in this marriage relationship that Rochelle and I have, that the first priority we have is to honor God with our lives even before we honor God with each other because the values of God 
take precedence over our own values. Because his values are higher than mine. If I had it my way, and I just used my own values, it falls so short of where our relationship should be. But when we take on the values of God, it pushes me beyond what I would choose to do. And it makes me live a life that's honoring God above all things. And so Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Be faithful. And then the final thing is that this sacred relationship that we have with God invites us into an intimate relationship with God. And in the same way that husbands and wives share a unique and intimate relationship different from all other relationships that you have, made by a sacred covenant that you made when the day you got married, our relationship with God is also sacred and it is marked by holiness. It is marked by God's grace and it is marked when we come in a humble heart of repentance to God through this sacred relationship that we have with Him. And by that we are continuously being transformed into this beautiful bride of Christ. Because Jesus is still at work. And that's why we have hope for the church. If the church was static, and if the church only was as good as we are right now, then yeah, all the criticism can fall on the church and it'd be okay. But when the church is marked by holiness, and we come with the spirit of humility, and we come with the spirit of repentance, and in doing so, continue to surrender our hearts to the Lord, and God transforms us from who we were to who He would have us to be, to wash us and make us without blemish, beautiful and radiant, so that we can grow into this beautiful bride. Because I'll tell you what, 30 years ago when we got married, we were different people than we are today. We have grown and we have matured in our relationship. And that is why today <laughs> the bond of marriage is stronger 30 years now than it was then. The relationship that we have with God as the bride of Christ needs to continue to grow and develop and mature when we have a humble heart and we are ready to allow God to change us and move us and mold us and make us into the people that He would have us to be, there is the hope for the deepening of the love that we can have for the church. Because the church, God's not done with His church. He's still creating it, making it, molding it. And it's impingent. Impingent? Is that a word? What am I trying to say? It is imperative. <laughs> Contingent. No, imperative. It is imperative. I'm making up words here. It's imperative that we not stay the same. That we constantly grow deeper in love with God and His church. And so that's my message to you today to deepen our ecclesiology, to love the church as Christ loved the church.
to engage deeply in this sacred relationship that's still a mystery. Why would God choose to have a relationship with me in this profound way? I don't know. I'm not sure. But he does. And all I want to do is respond to that. And so respond by returning that great love back to God in worship and to love his church as he calls us to do. And to be faithful. To be faithful. Because God is a jealous God. Because he loves madly. He's madly in love with you. And so we want to live into that relationship. And to know that the relationship that we have with him is sacred and holy. Let's live into that and honor that. Will you bow your heads with me today? Father in heaven, we recognize your presence here with us today. Your Holy Spirit has moved and worked in my heart as you've prepared this message in me to remind me that the love that you have for the church, the bride of Christ, is something that needs to deeply grow in all of us. And that our ecclesiology, Lord God, needs to continue to be formed and fashioned because you are not done yet with us. And we thank you for that. Father in heaven, forgive us. If we have in any way, shape, or form looked at your bride, the bride of Christ, in a way that's unflattering, in a way that's contemptuous, in a way, Lord God, where our judgment, Lord God, on your beautiful bride would be sinful. Forgive us, Lord. Shape us, mold us, help us to be the answer and the remedy to the problems in the church. We humbly, with the spirit of repentance, come to you today and ask, God, that you restore the church back to its place and start here at Mission Church. Start with me. Start with us. May we live our lives in such a way that we live into this sacred, mysterious relationship that you have with your bride. God, we love you. And we're so grateful that you love us. And it is in that love we, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.